Welcome back to Drilled. I'm Amy Westervelt. This week, there was some huge news related to our most recent season in Guyana. A verdict came through on one of the cases that we covered, the one that Melinda Jenke filed that had to do with insurance and particularly with something called financial assurance. The case argued that Guyana's Environmental Protection Agency, its EPA, had failed to require proof from ESSO, Exxon's subsidiary in Guyana, and from ExxonMobil itself of the sort of liability coverage needed for a risky offshore oil project like the one that's happening offshore Guyana right now. The law asks not only for an insurance policy from the local operator, but also for an unlimited guarantee from the parent company, in this case ExxonMobil, that it will cover any damages related to the particular activity that's being permitted, in this case oil drilling. Part of the argument was that an oil spill offshore Guyana would not only impact Guyana, but could potentially impact multiple other countries nearby. In fact, Exxon's own environmental impact assessment for its most recent well indicated that a massive oil spill offshore Guyana could impact up to 14 Caribbean countries. Those are all countries that depend on fishing and tourism for their economies. What this case argued was that the government was allowing Exxon to ramp up production quickly, to get around certain permitting requirements, while also not requiring that it have this level of liability coverage, opening up the country of Guyana to enormous financial risk. Because imagine if there was a deep water offshore blowout, and it did impact 14 Caribbean countries, where would those countries go looking to cover those damages? If there was no policy in place requiring Exxon to pay for those damages, those countries would be coming to the government of Guyana. The judge in this case issued an absolutely blistering ruling against Exxon and the Guyanese EPA. He called what's been happening an egregious state of affairs that has engulfed the Environmental Protection Agency in a quagmire of its own making. He also wrote that, quote, in the course of these proceedings, the court found on the evidence before it that SO Exploration and Production Guyana Limited was engaged in a disingenuous attempt which was calculated to deceive when it sought to dilute its liabilities and settled obligations stipulated and expressed in clear, unambiguous terms while simultaneously optimizing production at the Liza Phase 1 petroleum production project in the Stabrook Block offshore Guyana. He goes on to write, Esso Exploration and Production Guyana Limited engaged in a course of action made permissible only by the omissions of a derelict, pliant, and submissive environmental protection agency. Elsewhere in the ruling, he writes, these matters were not unknown to Esso or the EPA and consistent with the benefits of its petroleum production activities to which Esso is entitled comes the burden of fulfilling its obligations under the permit. And the agency sought refuge in silence, avoidance, concealment, and secrecy, notwithstanding the grave potential danger and consequences to the state and citizens 
if an event occurred at the Liza Phase 1 Petroleum Production Facilities in the Stauberg Block, offshore Guyana, in absence of such financial assurances. He concludes that the Environmental Protection Agency is in breach of its statutory duty by its failure and or omissions to enforce compliance by SO Exploration and Production Guyana Limited of its financial assurance obligations. He orders the Environmental Protection Agency to issue an enforcement notice on or before May 9th, less than a week from the date of the ruling directed to SO Exploration and Production Guyana Limited to perform its obligations. First, to provide within 30 days the unlimited liability parent company guarantee agreement and or an unlimited liability affiliate company guarantee to indemnify and keep indemnified the government of Guyana and the agency against all such environmental obligations of ESSO and its co-venturers within the Stauberg block. They also have to provide proof of environmental liability insurance as is customary in international petroleum industry in accordance with the conditions of its permit. It says, if they fail to provide both of these things, its permit stands suspended. The judge also tackled the question of standing in this case, which is really, really interesting. Esso had argued that the particular plaintiffs bringing this case to individual citizens, one of whom we actually heard from this season, Frederick Collins, the president of Transparency Guyana International. However, the organization that he works for was not a party to this case. He was a plaintiff in this case as an individual, as was Mr. Godfrey White. Esso argued that these two men had no standing, that Guyanese citizens can't bring a case like this because it has to do with the regulatory structure and the company. And they referred to these plaintiffs as meddlesome, meddlesome busybodies. The judge said, yeah, no, actually, citizens need to be able to bring cases that are in the public interest, especially in situations like this where there are major environmental implications. So that's a huge precedent to set too. I caught up with Melinda Janke the day after the ruling came out to hear what she thought about it and to hear what kind of message this sends, what kind of precedent it sets both in Guyana and beyond. That conversation is coming up after this quick break. Hi, it's Amy here, and I'm excited to tell you about a new podcast from APM Studios and Western Sounds called Ripple. Such a good idea, this show. In the aftermath of major disasters, there is always a swarm of media attention. The public is captivated by breaking news, there's coverage and controversy, and then the cameras and the public just move on. But the stories are not finished. 
Ripple is a new series investigating the stories we were told were over. In season one, the reporting team traveled hundreds of miles across the Gulf Coast to learn the ongoing effects of the 2010 Deepwater Horizon oil spill, which are still impacting many coastal residents more than a decade later. You can listen now to Ripple wherever you get your podcasts. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. So first, I'd love to get just your initial reaction to the ruling uh, when you when it first first came out. I think it's an excellent ruling. I mean, the judge said that the EPA's lax behavior had put this nation and its people in grave danger of calamitous disaster. And so immediately what you have is a very strong statement of the situation as it is. Remember, Exxon has an SO, the Exxon subsidiary, has admitted in court that they've been using faulty equipment. And they've admitted in public that they're operating above the safety limits. So that's very dangerous for Guyana. And it means that if there's any kind of oil spill, disaster, blowout, whatever, God forbid, any of that should happen, um, Guyana would be liable for all of that because the insurance is not in place and the parent company guarantee is not in place. Right. And the judge has corrected that by ordering the EPA to enforce the environmental permit. I mean, where else in the world would you have such dangerous deep water operations going on without proper insurance and without having the finance in place to protect the home country? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm curious. I know that the government has said that they plan to appeal and, and whatnot, but I'm assuming that the ruling is the ruling um, in the meantime, and, and they are under pressure to correct this fairly quickly. Let's just be clear. The government cannot appeal this ruling. They're not a party to the, to the case. Uh, interesting. It's the EPA that would have to appeal. So the, only the EPA or ESSO can appeal. 
Yeah. And the EPA is not the government. The EPA is an independent statutory authority. Mm-hmm. Now, if the government is instructing the EPA to appeal, then that's clearly unlawful. And that, and if the EPA were to then act on the basis of instructions from the politicians, that action would be unlawful and it would be open to judicial review on the grounds mm. that it that the EPA was carrying out um, instructions that were not part of its mandate. Right. Right. That's very okay, interesting. So, so that's, well, it's a very foolish course of action for any government to take is to say publicly that they're going to appeal a case that they're not a party to and therefore implying that they have some control over an, an independent statutory authority. Yeah, that's interesting. That's very interesting. Well, it's an independent statutory authority. I mean, I wrote the legislation that set this thing up. Yeah. Yeah. I thought that was really interesting, actually, too, that that it, at, at several points in the ruling, um, the judge mentioned how ESO had tried to sort of tell the court what some of these laws meant. And I, I wanted to get your take on on that, that approach that they've taken um, in this case. Look, the, I mean, ESO obviously has to be advised by its own lawyers, and I can't comment on that. We put in our submissions, and clearly the judge has ruled on the basis that he thinks he agrees with our submissions, and he's given a judgment that is based on law and legal principle. Um, Esso's views on on what the law says are completely irrelevant. I mean, Esso, Esso these, these are business people. Their business model depends on polluting the atmosphere and the ocean with greenhouse gases. They make their money out of destroying the climate and making the ocean more acid. I mean, that's what they do. Law is not their concern. They take advice from their lawyers. I'm I'm curious to hear what you think. Like, what what kind of message this sends, um, both in Guyana and beyond, to all of the countries that oil majors are operating in? What kind of precedent does this set, and sort of message does it send? Oh, I think there's some really significant messages here. I mean, the top line: two ordinary citizens in this little country, which most people can't find on the map. Two of them have gone to court and they've beaten the EPA, but they've also beaten ExxonMobil. And this is really a victory for the people by the people. I think we have to give full kudos to His Honor Justice Sandil Kistun. He put the rule of law above the interests of ExxonMobil, and that's massive. That's what every judge in every country should be doing. And I think this decision sets the standard for judges everywhere, not just in Guyana, but across the world. Is there any sense that the judge's ruling will be politicized in some way that, that you know, it will get the sort of, um, oh, he's just against the PPP or, or whatever, that kind of reaction from, from folks? This is a decision that puts Guy- the interests of Guyana and the nation foremost. It's a decision that upholds the rule of law. It's a decision that says, you, ESSO, took a business decision to accept this permit and you signed for it and you agreed to provide the insurance and you agreed to provide the parent company, the unlimited parent company guarantee. And you, the EPA, have a job to enforce that permit. So you all need to provide that insurance and that unlimited parent company guarantee. Now, 
if anybody tries to politicize that decision, they are going to look extremely foolish. The government is already looking silly by saying that it's going to appeal the decision. And people are asked, why is the government taking this attitude and appearing to be on the side of ESSO rather than on the side of the country? This ruling, once, once the insurance and the, and the guarantee are in place, means that Guyana is no longer potentially liable for billions of US dollars. So who would actually question that? Why would anybody question a decision by the judge which says enforce the permit, comply with your obligations, and make sure that this country does not suffer as a result of your default or bad behavior? I mean, he didn't use those exact words. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, I mean, I thought that was really interesting about this case in general, just the extent to which ESSO and the EPA were really partners, um, you know, talking about this stuff. And I'm, I'm curious for your thoughts on that too, just, just the extent to which the EPA seemed to be very much, I don't know, just sort of complying with the way that, that SO slash Exxon wanted to handle things. Oh, I think it's clear from the decision that the relationship between the EPA and and ESSO has not been a re- the relationship that you would expect from the regulator and the entity being regulated. The EPA has been far too compliant, hasn't done its job, and ESSO has been allowed to get away with breaching its permit. And the result of that, the judge says, um, that lack of vigilance by the EPA and its lack of enforcement has put, and I'm quoting now, put this nation and its people in grave potential danger of calamitous disaster. So the EPA has been completely irresponsible. The judge has corrected that situation, and everybody in the country should be cheering this decision. Every politician, every business person, every activist, academic, student, everybody should be cheering this decision because it's protecting Guyana. It's protecting every single one of us. Yeah. Well, it also really seems like a a good um, proof point that the court is not being influenced by either the government or corporate interests, which should make anyone in any country feel like, okay, we have a functional court system. This is good. Yeah, I think this this judge deserves real um, recognition and praise from around the world. For taking, for taking this position. This is a, a country that is very new to oil and gas, and he says that. Uh, we've seen politicians across the divide, whether it's the PPP or the Outnew or the AFC or whoever, um, all completely pro-oil, irresponsibly so, throwing caution to the winds, uh, overexcited about um, Guyana becoming an oil producer, and now you've got the voice of reason coming in and saying, wait a minute, there is something called the rule of law and we're going to uphold it. There are rules here to protect the people of Guyana and the environment of Guyana and the Caribbean. And this judge is going to uphold those rules. Yeah. Yeah. I thought that that his um, his stance on standing was also really important. You know, this idea that, look, um, especially when it comes to things like 
environmental regulation. It's, it's important to um, protect the ability of citizens to bring public interest suits. And I'm, I'm curious what you thought about that that part as well. I'm impressed you, you really have read the decision. <laughs> yes, I've, I've highlighted many yes. parts. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I think what you have there is um, a really good statement of judicial review. Judicial review is basically the rule of law in action. And we depend on citizens to go to court and say, look, there is, an, there is abuse of power by this public authority. And you, the court, want you to step in and put a stop to this abuse. And by ruling on standing in this way, the judge is basically saying in the modern era, everybody has a right now, every citizen has a right to go to court to protect the public interest and that traditional rules on standing are inappropriate for the situation that we are in now. And that actually we have to have these rules of standing. This is a really good modern decision based on up-to-date legal principles. Well, I was just saying to someone this morning like I, I, that I, I would love to see a ruling like this from the U.S. Supreme Court, and it feels like totally wishful thinking. Um, so, so yeah, it was it was it was a a good read. Um, okay, excellent. Um, I guess yeah. What are just the next steps for you on this case? Are you sort of waiting to see if if anything gets filed, and then and then you know proceed um, from there? Are you looking at okay if if the government, you know, is making public statements about this, then possibly that could be a case as well. I, I know there might be things you can't discuss, but um, to the extent that you can share, what's what's next on this for you? Well, to be honest, I think the most important thing right now is to get people in Guyana to understand the immense significance of this case. The judge has put the rule of law above the interests of ExxonMobil. So all of those people who've been running around saying, oh, you can't do anything, you can't do anything, um, now they don't have an excuse. Uh, Red Thread, which is a group of, of activist women, were out on Wednesday um, protesting and campaigning in order for um, to get the insurance in place. And people were saying to them that they support Red Thread, but they don't think they'll get anywhere on the insurance. And of course, this ruling comes out saying that ESSO has to provide the insurance. Yeah, And I think that sends a really important message to people. Um, and it says, stop giving way to despair, stop looking for excuses. Actually, you have the power to act, so act, because it brings results. And again, this is two people, two ordinary citizens who went to court. There's no CSO involved in this. I know the Bloomberg article says it's Transparency Institute, Guyana Inc., but it's not. It's Fred Collins and, and Godfrey White, two individuals. Yeah. So the next step, I think, the really important thing is to get people to understand that they have this power and that they have an obligation to protect democracy in Guyana, that they have the power to stand up instead of just complaining right. about things not being right. They have they can act and, and they will get it right result. and that the court will actually hear them and um, and rule accordingly. That That is it's so important for people to feel like. It's not a lost cause to take a case like this to court. Yeah, I think this also sends a message to the judiciary, because we have we have had a case, the Gaskin case, before the Chief Justice, where the Chief Justice took over a year to give a decision, um, and that's in breach 
of national law, specifically in breach of the Time Limit for Judicial Decisions Act and in breach of the cases in the Caribbean Court of Justice, which is our highest court of appeal. This case, Justice Kisun took from start to finish in eight months. Yeah, I was shocked at how quickly the the ruling came out. This is what you want in a judicial review Mm -hmm. case, because every day in which you're waiting for a decision is a day in which a public authority, and in this case, ESSO, is acting unlawfully. So judicial review is always urgent. The, The judges are expected to move swiftly. And the judge in this case has shown that it is possible to do that. So that sends a very clear message to to the rest of the judiciary. Um, we have we have another case before the Chief Justice, in which um, the the hearing ended in May last year. It's again May, and we still have not had a decision from the Chief Justice, even though we've written several letters. So I I think um, looking ahead, I would hope to see decisions coming a lot faster on these judicial review decisions now. It's not acceptable, I think, to be waiting for a year for a decision. And it's it's certainly contrary to national law and contrary to the rulings of the Caribbean Court of Justice. So it's a most unfortunate situation in these other in the other cases that I mentioned. I also thought it was really interesting how many times the judge emphasized that the issue of you know, whether or not the law requires financial assurance and this this um, parent company guarantee. Uh, like he, he said sort of over and over again, like it's not complicated because because, you know, SO and the had kind of messaged that like, well, the law is really complicated. It's open to interpretation. Um, and I I don't know, that seemed really important to me too that that like he sort of repeated over and over again like look this is not actually that complicated of an issue the law says this it's very clear both sides understood it yes i i agree completely with with the judge i have no idea why um Esso thought it was complicated and if it was if they did think it was complicated um surely they would have obtained uh, competent legal advice before signing a document that they thought was complicated. So, if they didn't, so if they thought it was complicated and they didn't get proper legal advice, what's going on there? If it was complicated and they got proper legal advice, why are you coming back and saying you don't understand it, or it's or it's complicated? Yeah, you know? yeah. It just doesn't make sense. I know it almost. It seemed to me more like something they wanted to convince the public of that, like this. Oh, actually, the problem is that this law is complicated and open to interpretation. Um, I don't know. It it was. Oh really? yeah, I don't know. That's what it seemed like to me because they mentioned it in a lot of their marketing videos too. That like, you know, it's it's comp it's a complex issue but don't worry we have the right insurance in place and um and and like i you know it was interesting to me that this so far of all the court cases this is the only one that i've seen sort of multiple exxon videos about exxon is of course entitled to say whatever they want the question is whether people believe them the question is whether people trust what exxon noble says um, and I, I think perhaps a more important question is whether their investors and the market have confidence in ExxonMobil and its business plan and the things that it's saying. 
I don't know the answer to that. Yeah, that should be interesting because actually the 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 main group that they have messaged to about how great it is that they're moving so quickly is shareholders. Um, so it'll be interesting to see if that tune changes. Yes, I mean, I wonder whether they thought this one through because to be operating above the safety levels of your FBSO, your floating production storage offloading vessels, and to be using faulty equipment, those are not um, items that would fill a shareholder with confidence, particularly when you think that this is dangerous deep water drilling. This is 120 miles offshore. The oil is about a mile below, the, the ocean is about a mile deep, and the oil is, um, you know, I think about another mile below the seabed. This is extremely dangerous. And then when you add to that clearly a lax regulator, in fact, the message to shareholders is not, look, it's wonderful we're moving so fast. It seems to me that one could reasonably conclude from the operations and the lax regulation that this is a very risky operation. And in fact, shareholders might want to think about um, the implications. Yeah. But again, you know, that's why it's important to have a judge that reminds the EPA of its job. Yes. I think this also has implications for business because what business requires above all else is a level playing field. Rules that apply to everybody and that are enforced equally against all of the in entities in the sector. Now, if you've got one one operator saying they have a collaborative relationship with the regulator, that's actually really bad for business and really bad for the country. Right. Yeah, you want to attract investment, mm -hmm. and yet you're boasting that there's a collaborative relationship between the regulator um, and one of the entities, and the government is saying they want to attract investment that they want to develop, and yet they can't even meet the very basic standards that you require for business which is a which is um a level playing mm -hmm. field a market in which everybody everybody knows what the rules are and all the entities in that market obey right. the rules and they know that the rules are going to be enforced equally against all of them no favors for anybody otherwise you're distorting competition that's it for this bonus episode. Thanks for listening. We will have a more detailed story on this ruling on our website at drilledpodcast.com. I'll also have a story in The Intercept coming this week. We might have something in The Guardian as well. So keep an eye out. There's a lot more coming on this story. Thanks for listening and we'll see you next time.